May I speak in the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. This is perhaps one of the more lengthy gospel readings that we get, um, so thank you for hanging in there with me and with my somewhat weakened voice. Um, uh, but it's a, it's a really important reading that we have this morning. But before we get to talking straight about the gospel, I want to talk about a man named Frank Warren. Um, back in 2004, 2005, Frank is a, an artist, and he had this simple idea for a community art project. He set out to collect 365 postcards that he would ask people to write on these postcards a secret that they had never told anyone. Um, they could decorate the cards, um, but his rules were it must be something you've never said to anybody before, and it must be true, and it must be anonymous. So he did not ask people to write their names on these cards. And when he started this project, he set out to get 365, so one for each day of the year, to make a community art project. That was about 13 years ago, and in that time, he has received over a million of these postcards. Um, he's published several books that kind of collects the postcards by themes. Um, he puts them up each week on the web, on his website. Um, and I think the last estimate is about, he averages about 700 million visitors a year coming to his website to look at these secrets. Um, he doesn't you know, call for particular topics, people just mail them in. The, the mail lady for his address recently retired um, and they did a newspaper article about him because, you know, he, when this really began to take off, she was carrying, you know, thousands of pounds of postcards every day. Um, but the postcards range from something, when I looked there uh, the other day, there was a postcard saying that somebody enjoyed eating fresh pasta before it's cooked. Right? And they had drawn pasta on the postcard. Um, and so they can be kind of silly that way. Sometimes somebody will mail in a postcard announcing that they love somebody um, and have never told them. Um, sometimes, uh, and a lot of the postcards are about people that have experienced loss of a loved one. And maybe they, let thing, they had things left unsaid to that loved one, and so they'll create this postcard and mail it in. Sometimes it's people that have been the victims of physical abuse mm -hmm. or who have had addictions. And some of the postcards that you, if you watch them over a period of time, you realize that people have been called to really reveal a depth of pain that for some reason they can't say to the people in the world around them. Because of that, Frank Warren has used a lot of the sales and publicity that he has gotten from this website that's called Post Secret to support um, suicide prevention and addiction recovery. But there is something about this anonymous format where people create this postcard and write their secret and then send it off to a mailbox in Maryland to know that it has a chance of being published 
to this community that exists anonymously that gives them a sense of safety. It's a strange world, I think, that we live in that strangers do this, that they mail their secrets. We live in a world where we get to send information by you know, a click of a button, can shoot off an email, we can post things on the web. But here these people take a lot of time to create a postcard that symbolizes their secret. It's kind of the opposite or a different take on the, the selfie craze. You see young people, and I know young people, that they can take like the most beautiful picture of themselves at an arm's length with their camera, and they know how to hold their chin, and they know how to do all the lighting, so that they take this wonderful picture of themselves and they put it up on the internet, and you would think that everything in their world is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Well, this is the other side of it. These are people, instead of using a camera turned on themselves, are creating something that symbolizes something that is broken in their lives. Nowadays on social media, and I do this, we carefully craft what our public selves are. And even if you're not on Facebook, you know, when we come out in public, most of us take time to make sure our hair is fixed the way it's supposed to be. We come to church, we put on our nice church clothes. I come in here as a deacon and I put on, you know, this robe and this stole that symbolizes that I'm here as a deacon, not just as myself. And we take on these roles in our society. And a lot of times underneath the good Sunday clothes or underneath the deacon stole, there is a real you that may not be perfect that you don't want the world necessarily to be able to see. Mm -hmm. The gospel today, and even the gospel last week, in a sense is about secrets. Mm -hmm. Last week, Nicodemus comes to Jesus in the cover of darkness Mm -hmm. secretly so that the people at the temple where he was a leader didn't know what he was doing. And in his exchange with Jesus that's very short, he leaves still not fully grasping what has happened. We know, and we talked about last week, that it would be much later on before Nicodemus would out himself as a follower of Jesus. And this scene that we get this Sunday is supposed to compare. We're supposed to think about Nicodemus because this scene is very different. This is happening in broad daylight at noon, out in public. Um, And here we get Jesus again alone. And I can't help but kind of read that first little paragraph where it talks about Jesus being at the well alone. It says it's about noon. And then here comes the Samaritan woman. And like hearing that music from a Western movie, you know, the like it's about to be a shootout, right? Um, They're all alone and they're coming across the desert. um, And there's going to be this encounter. And for people that would be hearing the story or reading this gospel that were from that time period, they would be reading a lot of that in here because what's about to happen is something that's not supposed to happen. Mm -hmm. Men and women don't talk to each other alone at a well. The only other times that they do this in Jewish literature is when there's going to be a marriage proposal, right, at Jacob's well, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, But so this doesn't happen. Men and women just don't hang out and talk at a well. 
And a Jewish man certainly doesn't talk to a Samaritan woman. These are, these are red flags that, that are supposed to go off when you hear the story. Samaritans, we think about mainly with the story of the good Samaritan that happens in the gospel. The reason why that story is so surprising is because Jewish people didn't agree with Samaritans. Mm -hmm. There had been a disagreement. Jewish folks said, the God we worship is in the temple at Jerusalem. And the Samaritans said, no, the God that we worship is on Mount Gerasim. And that's the proper place to worship God. And from that, these two people that shared so much split themselves. And so that Jesus chooses to go through Samaria, Samaria and then chooses to sit and talk with this woman is breaking all sorts of rules. And they both come there with secrets. And unlike what happens where Nicodemus, where Jesus treats him as a scholar of, of the Jewish law, which he was, and you have this very quick exchange, we get, uh, if you were keeping track, this is about 37 verses that we have for this reading today. We get this long extended conversation, one of the longest conversations Jesus has with someone in the Gospel of John that's not a disciple. And Jesus lays his secret out pretty quickly. Um, after he says, give me something to drink, and the woman says, why is a Jewish man asking a Samaritan woman to give me something to drink? And Jesus looks at her and tells the first secret, which is, I can give you living water where you will never be thirsty. And I love the woman's reply. She looks at him and says, you, sir, do not even have a bucket. And this well is deep. What are you talking about? So again, like Nicodemus, she doesn't get what Jesus is saying at first. But Jesus explains to her that the water I am talking about, you won't need a bucket to get. It's going to come gushing up. It's going to be like when Moses struck the rock in the desert and water came gushing forth. It's not something that you have to reach down and get. It's something that's going to come gushing up to you. And of course, the woman says, give me that water. Save me from coming to this well every day at noon. I don't want to be thirsty anymore. Yes. And then Jesus does an interesting thing, and he looks at her and he says, go get your husband. Mm -hmm. And she says, I have no husband, because that's her secret. Yes. Now sometimes we read this next part about the woman having five husbands as meaning that she has done something sexually immoral. And that's a little unfair to the woman because at this time, if you were married and widowed, you needed, you depended on having a husband or a son to financially provide for you. And so if you were widowed without a son, you would remarry. And at this time, and Jesus is going to go on and talk about this later, about how divorce was used, a man could put aside his wife. And so then you might have to remarry again. And I don't know, you know, a community, when somebody begins to have that run of bad luck, tends to push them to the side. And so I don't think we need to read in there that she is somehow sexually immoral, but she is certainly someone that is down on her luck mm -hmm. and has had to depend on a system that has not taken care of her. Amen. And Jesus knows this secret and knows that it's unusual for a woman to come to a well alone at noontime. 
She is a woman that doesn't get to come there when everybody else comes first thing in the morning and has all their conversations and brings water back when it's still cool. She comes there alone when it's hot to bring the water that she needs for the day to avoid kind of the chat and chatter of town. Jesus doesn't chastise her for this condition of having five husbands. Mm -hmm. Instead, he goes on to reveal the rest of his secret, which is while we have spent all this time, Jews and Samaritans, talking about where we should worship God, when living water comes gushing up, when you believe in the God that Jesus is talking about, and you become the vessel for that living water to come into the world, we no longer worry about the temple or Mount Gerasim. We begin to worship God in spirit and truth out in the world, and the differences between Jews and Samaritans fall away. And she looks at Jesus and she says, I know about the Messiah, is that you? And Jesus, for the first time in the Gospel of John, we translate it as, I am he. But the actual is, I am. Mm-hmm. Remember Moses in front of the burning bush. And Moses says, who am I to say that sent me? And God says, say, I am sent you. And so Jesus' final revelation, his final secret with this woman, is that he is the Messiah. Now, of course, the disciples show up, and they're shocked at what they see. They would have been even more shocked if they had heard this conversation that had lasted 20-something verses in the gospel. The woman at this point, though, forgets her water jar and runs back to town. She's not Nicodemus who sneaks back out into the night. Yeah. She runs back to town, and she says the words that you, Jesus uses to call the disciples. She says, come and see. And why? Why is she telling people to come and see? She tells them, I have met a man that has told me everything I have ever done. Now, I don't know about you, but if somebody walked up to me (laughs) and identified every secret I had, all those parts of me that I just want to forget about Uh or that keep me up at night or the parts of me that I'm disappointed in, And they said that to me, that's not good news. I'm not sure if I'd be running out and saying, come see, come see this person that can tell you all these things that you have done that you don't want anybody to know about. But this woman does this, and she invites people, and they come, and in this experience with Jesus, they also believe, and this passage ends where Samaritans of all people The people that aren't supposed to get it, that worship God in the wrong place, look at Jesus and say, this truly is the Savior of the world. So what's the good news that the woman had to share? If we go back and we think about those millions of postcards that people mail in anonymously, The one thing I think we learn about us as people is that there is something in us that craves to be known, truly, fully known. In the modern age, 
people don't find that with family. They don't find that with churches for some reason. They do find it by creating postcards and mailing it in. Because they know when they do that, that some small part of them is going to be known by someone on the other side of the world for at least an instant. This woman's encounter with Jesus is not an anonymous postcard voluntarily sent. Jesus shows up, reveals his secrets, and reveals hers without asking permission. But in that encounter, she knows that Jesus knows her. Yes. She knows that Jesus knows the hurt and the pain and the abandonment that is having five husbands in that small town. She knows that Jesus knows how hard it is to come to that well at noontime in the heat of the day and lower that bucket down. She knows for that moment that the good, the bad, the insignificant is all known by Jesus. And that in response to that knowing, Jesus tells her the secret of living water, that Jesus tells her the secret of what the good news is and that the good news isn't coming, the good news has arrived. And she runs to town to tell everybody that she has not encountered God on Mount Gerasim, she has not encountered God in the temple in Jerusalem, but she has encountered God at a well and God knew her. And God loved her, yes. not in spite of who she was, but because of who she was. And that is the living water. That is the grace and love that comes from God that transforms a woman at a well into one of the greatest evangelists that we have in the Gospel of John. Because she brings back the town, and we know that from that, Hundreds are saved and called to Jesus. So this Lent, know that you are known deeply, completely by God. Amen. And you are loved and forgiven, not in spite of who you are, but because of who you are. Yes. And with that love and grace, we are called to run out into the world and say, come and see I have met the Messiah. Come and see the Savior of the world. Amen. Amen.